ಚಿತ್ತಸ್ಯಪದೇನಚಿತ್ತಸ್ಯಪದೇನಾಚಾಂಜಲಿಪ್ರಾಂಜಲಿರಾನಸ್ಮಿ So in the last class we start started our discussion on the patanjali yoga sutra on the third chapter the vibhuti pada where we came at the very beginning with the concept of samyama the samyama actually constitutes the last three limbs of the eightfold limbs of yoga uh, namely the dharana dhyana and samadhi so this three together this the set of these three practices is called samyama so what is dharana that after pratyahara when you have still your mind when the mind is no more disturbed by the vagaries of the constant distractions now that the mind is prepared for focus so i start focusing the mind and where i find that the every consecutive vrittis are having the same thought previously my thoughts were something like a b c d now my thoughts have started being the same in this ekagra vritti a a a that's why my thought remains in the same thought and that's the what dharana is that when i am able to keep my mind in one thought that is dharana so i can hold on to dharana means to hold on to i can hold on to the thought and that gets what you say that matured into dhyana how that dharana gets seasoned into dhyana that what is the basic difference between dharana and dhyana is qualitative essentially both are same it is the quality when your frequency of thought gets intensified as if there is no interruption between the two thoughts arising in your mind as we told that our thoughts are digital they are not analogous it's not there is a flow of thought constantly with each vritti a thought is rising it falls again with the next vritti the thought rises it falls so now when these vrittis starts rising and falling very fast because of the intensity of the thought so that it gives an impression of analogous thought as you will find that if the dots are very close it gives an impression of a straight line a straight line is nothing but constituent is it 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 is made up of dots when the dots are very close it just gives the impression of a straight line so here also it is a digital which the dharana was something like digital this the thoughts rising falling and the frequency is less though there is no distraction the frequency is less in dhyana the frequency is increasing because of the intensity of the thought 
and it gives a sense of flow ekatanata that's what we found in the definition of dhyana and when it still more ripens that culminates in samadhi so what is samadhi that where that the subjective feeling that i am meditating that falls off and along with it all the subjective ideas the concepts which i have developed before the realization of the idea they also fall off how it happens as we were telling in the last class that when my meditation becomes more and more intensified i find that the mind which has a limited power of processing information it can process this a certain amount of information when i am doing my day to day ordinary activities only a part of my mind is required to keep engaged for that ordinary activities say talking or even cooking or cleaning the house i can do it with a part of my mind the remaining with the remaining part i can continue with other activities i can be conversing with others so what is happening so that you find that lot of activities can be done together it is like multitasking it doesn't mean all you are doing all the things simultaneously that as we told that the mind is digital that now most probably i am giving attention to the cooking the next moment to talking again to cooking it gives an impression both the things are going on simultaneously but actually the mind is jumping from one activity to the other and both are taken care of this speaks of that the mind is not yet focused it is processing so many things as the mind gets focused on certain activities you will find the other activity starts falling off naturally because for getting focused the mind has to process a lot of information to keep it focused so very little part of the mind remains to take care of other activities so when i am intently watching the match which is going on in the tv the footy match which is going on the tv and someone calls me i don't hear the sound has entered my ear but it couldn't get get conjoined with my mind because the mind is totally engaged it has the large part of my mind is engaged in that viewing the game about which i am very passionate so if my mind gets more and more engaged you will find the wonderful thing is happening what happens at last even all the bodily activities all the bodily the, all the alarms of your biological system biological alarms they also start falling off that when i'm very very passionately practicing classical music or painting you will find for hours together they can do that they forget hunger they forget thirst they forget the need for rest what has happened all those biological alarms also need a part of the mind to be processed that portion also has been taken away by your object of absorption so even the bodily activity starts falling off because you need a very intense focus and at last what happens that even the basal is small part of your mind is always engaged to keep our ego intact that this body mind complex is me so this idea this concept of i i that which constitutes my this psychophysical existence to keep that ego intact that asmita intact i lead 
a small portion of my mind, the basic portion of my mind, that also at last is taken away by the intensity. Your intensity of meditation, ekatanata, the frequency has become so intense. There is no gap remaining to take care of anything else, not even the ego. And then what happens? That, that I am meditating, this, this idea also falls off. That was indicated as Swarupa Shunya Eva. That even my own amnes has fallen off. Artha Matra Nirbhasha. Only the thing on which I am meditating, that is revealed. I have become as if one with the object of meditation. That one, that's what was indicated. That even in Vedanta, we speak of Samadhi as Triputi Bheda. The collapsing of the triad. That even when I'm med- meditating, my meditation is intense. I find that the idea that I am meditating, that I am the dhyata, the meditator, the, the object of meditation is the dhyaya, and the process of meditation, dhyana, is the thing which is connecting the dhyata and the dhyaya. This three remains distinct, this triad remains distinct. And at last, when the meditation becomes intense, this triad collapses. You become as if one with the object of meditation and then all the subjective feeling falls off. The knowledge reveals. All the knowledge is revealed through concentration. Even when I'm taking food, unless I'm focused on the food, if I'm just talking with others or if my mind is engaged with the lawsuit through which I'm going through, sometimes I will find that even the food which I was tasting, most probably it had no salt, I never realized, because my mind was engaged in something else. So even for our basic activities, unless the concentration is there, the knowledge cannot come out unless there is that concentration, this focus. So in Samadhi, that's the thing happens, that all the subjective feeling falls off, the real, that the meaning, the objective meaning that shines forth and that has been defined as Samadhi. Now these three, Dharana, Dhyana and Samadhi, three together has been described as Sangyama. So in the last class, we discussed up to this. So now, the sixth sutra we also took up, but we will again from the sixth sutra, we will start what it is said, Tasya Bhumishu Viniyoga. This samyama has to be employed in stages. What it means? This dharana, dhyana, samadhi. With that, I can never think of the ultimate realization immediately. Our mind has to go through various transformations in steps. So this samyama has to be employed in stages. Today, we will take up the sutras which actually speaks of those stages, which has been actually indicated in this sutra. That what are the stages through which the mind uh, has to evolve through the practice of Samyama from the present state of distraction to the state where my mind is intensely focused. So as if, and so that the focus is so intense that it has led, led to Sampragyata Samadhi. The words are very important. <clears throat> the Sampragyata. What does that word mean? Samyak Rupena Pragya. Pragya means knowledge. Samyak means 
in entirety. When your mind is focused, you get the knowledge of a thing in entirety. In that sam- samadhi, that's what is called sampragyata. Samyak rupena pragya is sampragya. So that samadhi, which is which results from that intense absorption, revealing the knowledge of the thing on which you are meditating, is the sampragyata samadhi. But that cannot happen in, immediately. First, the mind has from the sarvartha, the present state, where the mind is engaged in so many things, the monkey mind, from there it first has to be focused and that focus has to become habitual and that habitual state can at last lead to the sampragyata samadhi. So sarvarthata ekagrata sampragyata samadhi. So these are the varied stress, these stages through which gradually the mind has to go to the ultimate, the state of this complete engrossment. So that's why it has been indicated in the Sikh Sutra that Tasya Bhumishu Vinyoga. That gradually, as in the last class we were saying, that unless we practice focusing our mind in our day to day activities, I can never be a good meditator. If I am throughout the day restless in my place of work, in all my activities, and I can never think that full of worries and tensions when going through my workplace. Then I come back in the evening, sit for meditation, and I think that I will have a qualitative meditation. It can never be. For meditation, I need preparation. Throughout the day, whatever activity I am doing, I have to be practicing the presence of mind, practice the, that whatever I am doing, I should be in the present, totally focused. And that way, even in our secular life, we get the benefit. Suppose in my job, my job is temporary. And constantly I have that fear, that anticipation, that most probably in few days, my work won't, I won't I have that job. I will lose the job. And this worry is affecting your focus. And you really find you have lost the job. Why? Because as your focus was disturbed by your worries you couldn't focus on your work the quality of work got compromised and naturally naturally that the one who is expecting the quality from you is in no way satisfied so if i wouldn't have worried about it that what happens let me forget about it let me do the thing properly and that naturally will increase your credibility and you will find that you are doing better and better. You're excelling better and better in your job. So even in this, what to speak of spiritual value, even the secular, as per this, your secular benefit is concerned, this ekagrata is a thing which has to be practiced. We have to be focused. They let the future take care of itself. I have no hand over it. Just by worrying, I cannot change it. Why not be focused in the present? If I go on worrying that what is going to happen in the future, can I change it? I can never change it. It's just like a rocking chair that they say that worrying is like a rocking chair. You do something, but you go nowhere in the same place you're rocking. That's what the mind is doing. And that way you can earn, get no benefit out of it. So be focused throughout the day, whatever I'm doing, small activities, be focused. Even if I'm cooking, cleaning my house, they all are a part of my meditation. 
It's not this what I do is not important. How I do is important. Throughout the day, whatever activity I'm doing, nothing is small. Nothing is insignificant. Each and every act has to be done meticulously. That's why when someone used to come to, then the, those who used to come to Ramakrishna, used to visit Ramakrishna for spiritual instruction. If a new, if the, someone came for the first time and just enters Sri Ramakrishna's room and told that, please instruct me. Ramakrishna first will let him sit and he himself will go out of his room just to watch how he has kept his shoes, how he's kept his umbrella. If he finds everything is scattered out, immediately he will come and say that Rani Rashmani has built such a nice temple garden. Go and visit these wonderful, wonderful architectural temples. This is the wonderful piece of architecture. Go and see the deity. Go and just go move around the garden, such a beautiful garden. So that's how he will distract them because he knew that they had doesn't have the basic preparation for spiritual instruction. So that all the things which I'm doing, that how meticulously tidy I am, have I tied, have, have, a, have I tidied, uh, tied it, what is it, have I just made my mind tidy? Have my everything that whatever I am doing, my mind is not distracted, is on the thing itself what I'm doing, that itself speaks of concentration. And that's what is being indicated as Tasya Bhumishu Yoga. If throughout the day, if I try to do my activities that with that focus, you know, day-to-day -day activities, you will find so much time is wasted just in talking. Sometimes we think that I am doing some insignificant work so I can go on just talking in, uh, and do the activity. The activity is not compromised. We forget that actually we are distracting our mind. All the activities do meticulously. Just be focused on it. And that's why in the Christian monastery, it was a rule that there shouldn't be any talk unless it is necessary. Therefore, it is perfect silence was maintained. Even this mona, even our uh, this spiritual tradition, this practice of mona, this mona not only stopping your speech, even in our mind constantly we are talking. That has to be stopped. We should be very much meticulous about it. You know, what is the only, what is the difference between a mad a person who is mentally deranged and so-called normal person? The only difference is the so-called mentally deranged person speaks out what he's thinking. If we speak out what we are thinking, we will be also declared as mad, as simply as that. There's no control over the thought what all nonsense we are constantly thinking. So unless we are meticulous about it, to just turn the focus, see the, see our, the condition of our own mind and be aware that in what situation I am and try to, that's what you say, discipline the mind. With that, our spiritual journey starts. So that's what is indicated as Tasya Bhumi Shubhinyava, gradually. All activities. In the last class, we were giving the example. When you are peeling the vegetable, in our Belurmat, all the brahmacharis, they have to do that. That because there is a community kitchen, so many people will be taking food. So they have to peel the vegetable. And our Swami Premananda, the direct disciple of Ramakrishna, just by seeing the way 
all are peeling the vegetable would say who has good meditation. Someone who is peeling off more, even the pulp is coming out, he will say that your mind is distracted. Even for that work to do meticulously, you should have focus. So these day-to-day activities, everything when done nicely. And then when you sit for meditation, immediately first, let me try to stop the distraction. Then I will go for intense ekagrata, then for some pragyata. So gradually with purity, patience, perseverance, I am proceeding in my spiritual journey. Purity means trying to keep the mind focused in sublime thought that speaks of purity. It doesn't happen in one go. I need patience. And I have to continue with my practice. Though I fail, again I have to try. That speaks of perseverance. This 3P speaks of the entire process of Samyama. And the seventh sutra, what it speaks? Trayam Antaranga Purvebhya. So these three, which constitute Sangyama, Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi, first, when I have already got to certain extent established in Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, then only I can proceed for Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi. This is very important. In the modern days, we all go for meditation without taking care of the restraints, the observances, And then comes the posture, the asana. Unless I can sit motionless in an erect fashion at the same time relaxed, I can never have qualitative meditation. Pranayama, if the breathing is not rhythmic, deep and slow, you can never have good meditation. These are all linked with our mind. The bodily posture, our breath, everything is riveted with the mind. So I have taken care of them. And then through mindfulness, the pratyahara. I have stopped feeding the mind with useless thing. And then only I can go for dharana, dhyana, samadhi. I just simply, there cannot be any quick fix that throughout the day I was just spending the day as I wish and suddenly I sit for meditation and have dharana, dhyana, samadhi. It can never be. I First, I have to go through those practices of yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara. That's why it has been indicated trayam antaranga. These three are as if interior. If the realization is the core, then just near the realization, more interior to the realization is dharana, dhyana, samadhi. But these three are not something which can be exclusively practiced. They are interior compared to the exterior practice. First, you have to go through all those doors and then you come to these three. And there is something even beyond that. Even this three, dharana, dhyana, samadhi, is vahiranga compared to the nirvija samadhi, where all the thought, even this one thought in which your mind is focused, that also has to stop so that the mind becomes totally arrested to take you to that asampragyata samadhi. And that has been actually indicated as the nirvijasya in the eighth sutra of the third chapter. What it's saying? Tat api vahiranga nirvijasya. That arrested state of mind is the highest. Even this dharana dhyana samadhi is vahiranga, is something exterior compared to that nirvija samadhi. So this is what has been described in the eighth sutra. So now we will proceed from ninth to twelfth sutra. This nine, ten, eleven, twelve. These four sutras has to be studied together. And not only that, 
we have to rearrange the sequence to get the meaning out of it. The ninth, the 10th, the 11th and the 12th Sutra, we will study in this sequence. First the 12th, then the 11th, then the 9th and then the 10th. In this sequence, we have to study to get the meaning out of it. So from 3.9 to 3.12 has to be arranged as per this sequence. What this first is, this actually speaks of parinama, the transformation of the mind, how the mind gradually transforms. When I start meditating, what all transformation is going through the mind? That will be studied in these four sutras. First is Ekagrata Parinama that has been dealt with in the 12th sutra. Then comes Samadhi Parinama that has been spoken of in the 11th sutra. And then comes the Nirodha Parinama that comes in the 9th and in the 10th sutra. So this what actually this speaks of. So to understand these three Parinamas, first we have to understand that there are only two types of samskaras, impressions in our mind. There are two types. One is Vyutthana Sanskara and another is the Nirodha Sanskara. We are at present aware of only Vyutthana Sanskara, that I can never keep the mind arrested. Constantly it is popping up into thoughts. Through a lot of practice, I can make it ekagra, but still the thoughts are popping up. Previously, it was varied thoughts. Now it is one thought. But still, the thoughts are there. So this vyutthana means this popping up of thoughts. That's what our present state of mind is. But when I become extremely ekagra, then a state comes when I can stop that ekavritti. From this vahuvritti, first I have to take to ekavritti. This varied thoughts to one thought. And then I can even annihilate that single thought so that my mind enters into the state of that arrested state. So only this type, two types of samskaras are there, Vyutthana and the Nirodha samskara. And how the sequence of transformation by which the mind is progressing through the meditation is, that will, will be described by these various types of Parinama. First, Ekagrata Parinama, first I have to concentrate. This concentrate mind, when it becomes habitual, will take me to the Samadhi. And this Samadhi, when it becomes habitual, then the next thing, the Nirodhas, the arrested state of mind, I can think of. So this Ekagra, Samadhi and Nirodha, these three types of Parinama will be dealt with from the ninth and the 12th Sutra. So first, we will take the 12th Sutra to understand what is Ekagra Parinama, the first Parinama. So we will go to the definition and then discuss. We have already discussed, but just to understand it in context of the sutra, we will try just discuss the sutras and then have a very brief explanation of it. What the 12th sutra is speaking? The language is technical, but the meaning you will find is something is simple, which we have already studied. Tata puna shanta udito tulya pratyayo chittasya ekagrata parinama. First, the first transformation, Parinam means transformation, Ekagrata. This, the mind has to get transformed into concentrate, concentrated state of mind from the distracted. How is it possible? Shanta Udito Tulya Pratyav. So this Shanta 
when what it means when this thought wave is falling one thought wave has arisen it is falling udito the next thought wave is rising tulya pratyayo if you remember the word pratyaya means the content of the thoughts the thought which the thought which is falling and the subsequent thought which is rising the contents are same tulya a same then that will lead to ekagrata parinama the one pointedness of the chitta chittasya ekagrata parinama is when again and again the chitta is tatah puna again and again the impressions that is subsiding that is shanta and the present impression which is arising that is udita udita are similar tulya pratyaya so it is only through this gradual practice that we can gradually go to that state of ekagrata it doesn't happen in a day that's what we were that discussing again and again so first this ekagra parinama this transformation happens gradually that will lead to the samadhi parinama that has been dealt with in the 11th sutra what it is sarvarthata ekagrayo kshaya udayo chittasya samadhi parinama sarvarthata ekagrayo kshaya udayo chittasya samadhi parinama so with the the more and more your mind becomes one pointed then what happens sarvarthata kshaya the, the the distracted mind gets eclipsed gets diminished kshaya it's no more there kshaya means that which gets uh, diminished that is kshaya something to reduce the kshaya and ekagraya udayo the one pointedness starts arising in your mind more and more the more and more that one pointedness becomes habitual that's what is udaya udaya means to rise so ekagrata is rising and sarvarthata is getting eclipsed when that happens then from the ekagra the mind is gradually entering into the samadhi so first from the distraction you go to the one pointedness and this one pointedness gradually will take you to the state of samadhi so sarvarthata kshaya ekagrata udaya chittasya samadhi parinama and then the ninth sutra will speak of something which we we haven't discussed previously we will take the discussion today in a bit details to understand what that arisen state of mind is so the nirodha parinama the next parinama first ekagra next is samadhi and now the arrest of the nirodha parinama will be spoken of what is that vyuthana nirodha samskarayo abhibhava pradurbhava nirodha kshana chitta anvayo nirodha parinama so we have to rearrange the sutra the words to get the meaning out of it says vyuthana nirodha samskarayo abhibhava pradurbhava so actually we have to understand that vyuthana samskara abhibhava when the vyuthana samskara is abhibhava means is getting eclipsed this vyuthana both the distraction as well as the one pointedness both are vyuthana whenever the thought is popping up whether it be distracted or it is a single one thought it means vyuthana see all shots of thoughts that are popping up may it be distracted or it be one pointed that gets eclipsed 
and nirodha sanskara pradurbhava and the arrested state of mind gets more and more predominant pradur pradurbhava means to that with to that becomes predominant that which as if is uh, per, uh, pervading your mind so this nirodha this arrested state is a thing which is becoming predominant and then what happens is nirodha kshana chitta anvaya the state when the arrested state is getting prolonged that one previously my mind was distracted then it became one pointed and now even to stop that one pointed thought what i do that thought arise and i take a resolve that i arrest that thought i won't think anything and i try to keep the mind without thought and then i find that as my mind is already habituated with that one pointedness suddenly in spite of my attempt that one pointed thought comes up again with my effort i can go on prolonging this gap and that actually is indicated by the time nirodha kshana chitta anvaya that the more and more you can prolong this arrested state of mind that speaks of nirodha parinam so this arrested state of mind can take you to that ansapragata samadhi lie the seedless samadhi at last so very interesting that first at the very beginning if i try to keep my mind thoughtless it never happens it is impossible first i have to make it one pointed when it has become one pointed when one thought is not very habitual in my mind i can easily get rid of it thousands of thoughts are rising which one i can control i control one the other arises so first i have to make it one pointed and then only i can eradicate it and that's what happens in our mind even in our day to day activity when suppose you have a intense desire for certain thing what happens the other uh, distraction falls off that single desire that starts pervading your mind the others are all eclipsed and the moment that desire is fulfilled you find a let go what has happened that arrested state has ensued for the time being that one thought the desire which i had that was turbulent that, that that was creating a turbulence in my mind the moment i get the object that wave also subsides and you find that a let go has ensued there is no thought for some time even in our day to day activities we find in spiritual journey that's the thing which we have to practice consciously that first the distractions has to be stopped with the ekagrata and now it becomes easy to take care of that ekagra vritti we'll find a very interesting thing that when sri ramakrishna is to go to samadhi has to understand this nirodha parinama and the samadhi parinama and the ekagra parinama let us take this example when ramakrishna is to go to samadhi now in samadhi that if he is to go to that arrested state if he if that state is prolonged it almost becomes impossible even to keep your body intact the body will fall off in 21 days so but he had a purpose for which he was alive a mission so he has to bring the mind down 
very interesting. You will read the life of Ramakrishna, you will find a very interesting thing. Whenever he used to go to Samadhi, he used to instruct the, those who used to stay near him. What he used to instruct? That repeat such and such mantra when you find me going into that state, when I am almost as if there is no uh, expression of life. He used to become something like a dead log wood. And then he told, if I go to that state, then repeat such and such mantra. And when the such the, those mantras were repeated, his mind will calm down. Again, he will come to this natural state. The same thing we find in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They has been they described as Bajyodasha, this uh, and Antardasha and Ardhavajyodasha. Bajyodasha, Ardhavajyodasha, and Antardasha. That Bajyodasha means. The thing when he is just like uh, just taking care of all activities, that is the, just the ordinary state of mind. Ardhavayadasha, it is in Samadhi. And on this Antardasha, when he, he has, his mind has got totally arrested, even there also we find that the devotees used to go and repeat the name of the Lord to bring the mind down. This is very interesting. For us, we use the mantra to raise our mind from distraction to concentration, to focus. And for the spiritually evolved soul, they're using the same mantra to bring the mind down. This we have to understand that when my, see, when my mind is distracted, then I try to focus my mind. Most probably I am able to focus for the time being but my subconscious mind is full, filled with a the distraction. They come and break my concentration. That's the state of my mind at present. But when you evolve to that state where you have entered into the Nirodha Samadhi, arrested state, where there's no thought, then after some time, as your mind through practice has already become ekagra, your subconscious mind has no distraction. But it has that one thought, the ishtavritti, the ekavritti, that is saturating the mind. Now this one thought comes from the subconscious mind and breaks the arrested state. For us, the distraction states this breaks the concentration. And for those who have evolved spiritually, for them what has happened? The Concentration, the concentrated state, that one vritti, that ishta vritti, that one thought by which his mind has got concentrated, that is saturating his subconscious mind. That now pops up and breaks the arrested state. So when you are repeating the mantra, then what happened? The subconscious mind is filled with that ekavritti. The arrested state gets that the, this uh, mantra, repetition of the mantra activates the subconscious mind. In the subconscious mind is nothing is there. Only that one thought, the ishtavritti is there. That arises and breaks the arrested state. So now we will understand how for an evolved soul to bring him down from samadhi, the same mantra is used, which we use to take our mind up. So now this, why he has to bring his mind down? Because he has some role to play. This avatara, they come down out of compassion to instruct the humanity. So that's why they're bringing the mind down. In the life of Ramakrishna, you will find very interesting. When he has entered into Samadhi, suddenly he will just spell out that I want to drink water. 
or some small things he will say. But these desires that I want to drink water, he's bringing his mind down. Otherwise, it will just simply just go to such a high level from where he cannot bring down. With small resolutions, you will find he's bringing his mind down. You will find in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, so many places are there. When he's in Samadhi, suddenly he's saying, I want to go for nature's call. I want to drink water. Just by saying this, he's bringing his mind down. Most probably uh, when he told, I want to drink water and someone brought water, he's saying, no, I don't want. Actually, he never really meant like drinking water, but with a desire, he just brought the mind down. So their, their mind is in such a state. So this is being indicated in the ninth sutra. That with a that your nirodhakshana chitta anvaya, this it is in prolongating. But as your sub, but the subconscious mind is filled with that one thought, after some time, from that it pops up to break that nirodha state. In the life of Ramakrishna, this, this sutras can be understood with the lives wherein the lives actually speaks out this, explains this sutra very nicely. You will find in the life of Ramakrishna, he was he got habituated in the contemplation of the divine mother. It was something very easy. Just he will, uh, when, whenever, even in his day-to-day activity, the thought of the mother, even the vision of the mother was something very spontaneous. Now, when he was initiated in the Advaitic mode of practice, Totapuri came to instruct him in Nirvikalpa Samadhi. And now when Totapuri told to sit down and meditate, just sit down and try to empty your mind. It was very easy for Ramakrishna to get rid of all thoughts. But at last, the vision of the mother was something very vivid. Again and again, he tried. He couldn't go beyond that. And then what Totapuri did, he brought, he somewhere he got, a, saw a broken piece of glass. He took it and with that forcefully pierced between the eyebrows of Ramakrishna. He they just shouted in pain. And now Tutapuri told, just meditate on that pain between the eyebrows. Now Ramakrishna again tried to just empty his mind. Again, the form of the mother came. If you read the life, you will find very nicely it has been depicted there. And now Ramakrishna is saying, now he is visualizing. What is visualizing? That with a sword of knowledge, he is cutting, he is just bifurcating the image of mother as if into two pieces. And the moment he visualized that, immediately his mind went into that Nirvikalpa Samadhi. That is, rushed into that Nirvikalpa Samadhi. And even Totapuri was surprised that in such a short time he could do this. He just, in, he just told it took 40 years for me, which he has done in three days. So what's it speaking of? That yes, in that Ekagra Vritti, that has become the habitual state. It becomes so difficult to go beyond that. But with this visualization, by negating that vision, how he has to take another visualization that I am with a sword as if I am cutting that form. Now there is no other thought. His mind has already got habituated in the thought of the mother. The moment he just negates that thought, immediately it goes into that state of that Nirodha Parinama. So for days together, he was in that state. Tatapuri had a lot of difficulty again to bring him back to the normal state. 
he was really surprised to see that it is possible for some to enter into that state in such a short time because his intensity of practice was something which is not ordinary. It was highly intense. That's, we have already studied one sutra that what's the, uh, how fast can be our spiritual progress as per the intensity depends the time. Just as in our normal physical science, the more the, uh, what, the uh, uh, what's the thing that, that, how can you get more force? How can you get more acceleration with the more force? Force is equal to mass into acceleration. To have F more, if you have to work more F, the aim is same, objects mass is same. With more force, its acceleration will increase. It will be more accelerated. The more I can give force, the more it will be accelerated. And the more it is accelerated, the more it will go into the destination at a shorter time. So here also the same thing. The urge, intensity to realize is the force that accelerates our spiritual journey. And in a short time, we can reach the goal, which for others may take maybe years together. The sutra which we studied in the first chapter is Tivra Sangveganam Asana. The one who is having Tivra Sangvega, tremendous urge, very Tivra, very intense urge. For him, the spiritual goal is something Asana, very near. It happens very short. That's what happened in the life of Ramakrishna. For us, it may take a longer time. But uh, if we have the patience and the perseverance, it is going to happen today or tomorrow. So this is the idea behind this Nirodha Parinam. So first, the distracted state. From that, we have to go to the concentrated state. From that, we have to go to the arrested state. In the 10th Sutra, they speak of this, that this arrested state can go on becoming prolonged with more and more practice. As at present, for us, I will find that today, most probably I could focus my mind for a short time. And however I may try, I find a distraction comes and breaks my focus. And if I go on practicing, my concentration, the period my mind remains focused goes on increasing. It goes on increasing. And the distraction gradually falls off. It reduces, the concentration goes on increasing. The same thing happens when my mind is already habitually focused. It is already habitually focused, but I am trying to keep it in the arrested state. At the beginning, most probably I cannot keep it for long. But it won't again break back to distraction because the habitual state is concentrated state. So again, you will go back to that concentrated, the ishtavritti. Your mind will never go down below that. So you are already safe that way. You are already always in that, what you say, totally inebriated with the divine, with the divinity. Your mind never goes beyond that. So that's why a very interesting thing that many say that after you go into that, that in the scripture they say that after you have entered into Samadhi, you can do whatever you like. And there are many frauds who say, I have entered into Samadhi, don't judge my life. But we actually never understand this word. That one who has entered into Samadhi, he can do whatever he like. What it means, his mind is already purified with that one thought. It can never go beyond that. For us, we have, whenever the evil thoughts come, I have to use my willpower not to get involved in it. But for him, the evil thought never comes. 
So now he can do whatever he like because goodness is his spontaneous way of life. He can never do something which is base, basic, which is very base. You'll find a very wonderful idea even in the life of Ramakrishna. Someone came and told that, you know, such and such sadhu is staying near Dakshineshwar. He got involved in some uh, unholy acts. And when someone went and asked that, that monk, that being a monk, how come you are involved in all such, all such unholy acts? And that sadhu told, that monk replied, this world is not there. It is all maya. Are my unholy acts true? If the world itself is maya, my unholy acts are also maya. And someone after listening that came and narrated it to Ramakrishna. And Ramakrishna immediately told, I spit on such Vedanta. I spit on such Vedanta. He used to say, the one who is an expert dancer, he never, or he or she will never have a false step. What does it mean? That when I am learning to dance, at each and every moment, I have to be cautious. I have to be very aware that my step should fall in rhythm. But when you have learned dance, you have become a skill, a very skillful dancer. The music is being played and you are instructing your students. So you are talking to your students. But as you have become so skilled in dance that though your full mind is not on the music, you are instructing your students. But at the same time, you will find you will find that the teacher's step is not falling in the, she is not having a single false step. It is falling in the rhythm. Though she is instructing, it's still in the rhythm. The students with the full focus find it challenging to keep in the rhythm. The teacher while instructing is spontaneously, playfully, is just her steps are falling in the rhythm. So there's a skillful dancer. She, does this, she will not have to use her willpower to keep or the focus, intention focus, to keep the mind focused on the rhythm. So that's what happens when your mind has entered into the arrested state. Now you're safe. At the most, it will come back to the ekavritti, ishtavritti, where you are totally saturated with the divine. It can never go down beyond that. And from there, it's a question of your choice. As Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told, Ami chini khete chaina, Ami chini hote chaina, chini khete bhalovashi. Here the question of choice comes. Someone wants to enjoy the bliss of focus. The Lord is, I am, and this constant focus gives a tremendous bliss. I don't want to go beyond that. So for them, whenever the mind is going to the arrested state, you know for certain, if you get habituated in focus, your mind also will habitually enter now and then into the arrested state. You know why? In this world, Everything is flowing. That's what samsara means. Samsarate iti samsara. Why everything is flowing? Because there is polarity. Water flows. Why it flows? Because there's a difference of level. From higher level, it flows to the lower level. If both the levels are same, water flow stops. Electricity flows. Why it is flowing? Because there's a difference of potential from Positive, positive to the negative, from higher potential to the negative potential, we find there is a current. If in the Whitstone Bridge, the balance, when both the ends have same potential, 
the galvanometer will show zero. There is no current. When the potentiality has been, when this polarity has been resolved, same potential, no current. Similarly for the mind, as long as the mind is jumping from thought to thought, the mind is, the mind is a flow, nothing else. When with the ekavritti, at the intense ekavritti, the two vrittis from one vritti to the one vritti are jumping the same thought, then the mind naturally goes to the arrested state in the long run. So it, it, this is true for all the spiritual practitioners. That's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was once asking someone to say that the, what's the higher and higher states of spiritual evolution. At last, when they were speaking of that ekatvanubhati, that you become as if one with the divine, Mahaprabhu immediately told, stop, don't progress, don't proceed beyond that. That by that, many say that he's actually discouraging. No, there is a state beyond that. He doesn't want. He wants to enjoy the bliss. And someone may be there who wants to go beyond that. Well and good. Both means liberation. If I am so much inebriated with the divine, just in our day-to-day life, you will find that when I am totally absorbed in some sublime pursuits, the other thing falls off. Your hunger, your thirst, your tiredness, you become as a videha. That videha means there is no sense of your body. All the bodily sensations have fallen off. When you get habitual in the concentration of the divine, all the bodily sensations falls off in this life. After death, what brings us down again to this uh, physical plane of existence? It's only all those bodily feelings. Our hunger, our thirst, our need to procreate, all those things gravitates us down to the physical plane. We can live in that world of mind, the mental world, without coming down if it is intensely focused to the divine. So focused that all the bodily feelings has fallen off. Nothing gravitates you down. So that also is a liberation. So coming down to this world of duality alone is suffering. That is tremendous bliss. And even going beyond the mind, that also speaks of not coming down. That also is liberation. These are the various grades of liberation. I won't, won't say even grades. It's the various types of liberation as per our temperament. So both are liberation. The scripture, as it is a scripture of concentration of meditation, it won't get biased to any type. It will just describe everything in details. Now it's up to our choice where we limit ourselves. As Ramakrishna used to say, whatever I have to tell, I have told. So those who have the habit of taking fish, they will remove the head and the tail, the middle portion they take. So that's what Ramakrishna used to say. I have told you in the entire, I have told you what has to be told in entirety. You may take, you may just remove the head and the tail and whatever you have to take, you have to take. So here the scripture is telling the entire thing in entirety that what all are the possibilities. Now, as per your temperament, whatever you have to take, you take. So, but the basic thing is we have to go to that habitual state of focus to really, what you say, transcend this physical plane of existence so that we can enjoy liberation while living, as long as we are living, that focus 
makes me forget about the world. It makes me almost videha. And of course, it speaks of not coming down again to the physical plane after death. And if I have stayed, reached the state of nirodha, arrested state, which has become permanent, no more, the single thought comes and breaks that state. Well, that also speaks of liberation. There is no thought at all to bring you down again to this physical plane. There's a nirvija state that has been spoken of in the 10th sutra. Tasya prashantavahita samskara. When you, this arrested state becomes habitual, that concentrated vritti no more is there to pop up, to break your arrested state. Then this arrested state becomes something like the prashantavahita, that its flow is never disturbed. It becomes prashanta. Prashanta means pacific. You will find in the Pacific Ocean, why it is called Pacific? As the ocean is so deep, compared to the other oceans, there are no waves. Other oceans have very huge waves. Compared to that, the Pacific Ocean has very less waves. The more the depth, lesser the waves. So as there is no waves, that's why it is Pacific. And that's what actually in our Indian language is called Prashanta Mahasagar, where no waves are there. So you have arrested the mind. No more thought waves are coming. Even that one thought of your ishta, that also is not coming to break it. So that also speaks of liberation because it is the thoughts after all, which brings us to this physical plane of existence. So whatever may be the choice, accordingly, we can progress in our spiritual journey, but know it for certain. We have to go to that state of samadhi to be liberated. Whether it is Savija or Nirvija, but it has to be Samadhi, the state of Samadhi, which can speak of our liberation. So this after 10 Sutra we studied. Now the remaining of the third chapter, the, as we told, the Yoga Sutra is a scripture where it is speaking of concentration, not only high spiritual liberation, any type of concentration. So now this Sangyama, this uh, Dharana Dhyana Samadhi, this set, Instead for, the, instead for my spiritual evolution, I can direct it for so many other things. If I can focus on the sun, some type of knowledge will come. On the moon, on some type of knowledge come. On uh, that few past, present, future. To know the past, present, future. If I can focus on that, our character, the traits of our character. I can focus uh, on the, the traits of your character. From that, you can even predict the future. All those things will be dealt with in the remaining sutras of the third chapter. That once you develop the focus, that mind can be dangerous. If by chance you get hoodwinked, get lured by something else, that tremendous focus can, instead of taking you to the highest goal, can stuck you into some just some limited powers. So, once you have sharpened your knife, which you use for cutting your vegetables, but if you are careless, you can cut your fingers. So you have sharpened your mind. Now this mind can be dangerous. So to make us aware of the dangers, of the pitfalls, all those supernormal powers will be discussed, not to encourage us to get them, to just to warn us that once you get hoodwinked, once you get distracted, it may find expression as all these supernatural powers and to make us aware that when I am developing these supernatural powers, I should be aware of the fact that I am using the sharpened knife for not for the purpose for which it has been sharpened, Mr. from something else. Uh, 
So let me take back my focus so that I am in the mainstream so that I may not miss the goal. So for that, the remaining portion of the third chapter will deal with the various vibhutis, the various supernormal powers, natural powers, before it goes to the last chapter, the Kaivalya Pada, that is Dharana Dhyana Samadhi, when is used for the exclusively for the spiritual goal, how it can lead to the Kaivalya, that ultimate liberation. The word Kaivalya came from Kevala, that I, my the, as a conscious principle, don't need the crutch of the mind and the senses for my existence. At present, I have the idea, no mind means I, I am gone. That the ultimate identity is my mind, that I think, therefore I am. In the famous quotation of Descartes, in Western psychology, the soul is being equated with the mind, I think, therefore I am. The Vedanta says that my that real amness can be realized only when you can stop thinking. As long as you're thinking, you never know who you are. That amnes, real amnes is realized when you can stop thinking. You can go beyond the thought. So that's the thing which will be discussed in the last chapter, Kaivalya, Kaivala, where you stand alone by your own right without the crutch of the mind and the senses to realize that you were free. It was just out of delusion. You thought you need the crutch of mind and senses for your existence, for your sustenance. It is not required. You, you exist by your own right. You alone exist. That's the Kevala. The Purusha stands free, stands apart from the Prakriti free, not to be bound, bonded by the Prakriti anymore. That's what the word Kaivalya means. That will be dealt with in the last chapter. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Now we will proceed with the remaining sutras of the third chapter from the next class onwards. Thank you all. Namaskars.